I love coaching and I love talking about coaching just as much. Coffeehouse Coaching was created as a place to connect with other executive coaches to learn about their coaching journey, practice, philosophy, and just have good discussions about something that we love to do. I'm back with Adrian Cordes, and today we talk about integration. Sometimes when I learn something, I'm a hammer, and everything to me looks like a nail. So we talk about that. Chemistry calls. Again, I know, but it's important. Clients like when we think about them outside a session. Connecting and homework between sessions to assign or not to assign. That is the question. Hope you enjoy our conversation, and if you would like to get involved in future podcasts, Reach out to either Adrian or myself through LinkedIn, and we can set that up. Thanks for joining us. Adrian, great to see you again. Hi, Gary. Okay, how are you showing up for this podcast today? I'm showing up with a lot of energy and curiosity. How about you? For the pod, for the podcast or just in general? You're just curious as a person. I think I'd say in general, but that applies to this very minute. How are you showing up? Super excited. I constantly think about uh, podcasts with you and connecting with you. And I always enjoy it and learn something. So I'm sure today will be no different. Topic of the day is integration. And what I mean by that is what I find happening when I read something, when I learn something new, I want to immediately implement it into my coaching practice. And I don't know that that's the best service to my client. I wanted to talk with you about that today, if I can. Yeah, I think this is a really great topic because I have a feeling that anybody listening can relate to it. So yeah, why don't why don't you get us started here? So the analogy I have is when I read something, I read it and that's my hammer. And then every single coaching session is a nail. It's like, oh, I want to recommend this book or I'm going to recommend that or I'm going to try that. So it just happened to me. I recorded a podcast on Friday, a great podcast with Todd Weinstein. And he just gave me a few things that I loved and I started implementing right away. And I was testing and I asked permission, but I feel that if it's not front and center in my mind, I lose track of it. I'm trying to figure out what's best for the client basically. And it might be, but I don't like that. I think, oh, how can I use this in the session? And I feel it's very distracting for me. Yeah. I, when I was thinking about this before, before today, I was thinking you have to have maybe a really good memory to be able to remember all the things that we've read or learned, or maybe a good system for tracking all the things we've read and learned, because I think you and I are a lot alike and a lot of people who do what we do are a lot like us that we're constantly reading and constantly learning new things, new ways of looking at things. And so anyway, where do you file all of that away? And it's constantly informing the way we look at things, obviously running in the background of our minds. But if you've just read something, it's just right there in the front of your memory. So I had, I was thinking like, my recall is not that great to be able to just reach into my memory bank and select a book that I read three and a half years ago. That was one thing that occurred to me as I was thinking about this. Listening to you, I need a big whiteboard and put all the tools on it right above my computer camera so I can just glance up and look through it. So here's what I'm doing. This is what I kind of latched on to. And I have a firm belief in... I have a lot of sports analogies and I feel when you're an athlete, it's all reaction. 
But outside of that game or that at bat, you have to practice things and you have to practice your swing or look at different things. And that's how I view coaching. While I'm in the while I'm in a coaching session, I'm not thinking about anything. What I want to do is just react. So a 2023 goal for me was to keep a continual list of everything that is in my line of sight that I've learned, that I've read, that somebody had mentioned, and then consistently review that on an every Friday basis or a once a month basis. And maybe put the book out there and list out ways in which I would use it. The practice outside of a session is going through reading all that. And then hopefully, fingers crossed, in a session when somebody says something, all that work of reviewing all the materials that I had would just come to my mind. And I would immediately say, hey, why don't we try this lifeline exercise or the cycle of renewal exercise? Because it's been a while since I've done that. So that's in in my mind, the work is outside the coaching session of rereading. And I'm rereading books too. I don't know if you do that. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Is there a book that you constantly, that you've gone through or read once a year? No, not once a year, but a group of coaches and I that meet monthly and have been meeting for the last, gosh, seven years, we just decided to reread the Jenny Rogers coaching book, coaching skills book. One of my favorites. I did listen to Nancy Klein Time to Think a couple times because I, I listen to audiobooks and I do jigsaw puzzles. Yeah. Well, there you go. I shouldn't admit that to too many people, but I love doing jigsaw puzzles. And when you're doing a jigsaw puzzle, it's not like you have to focus 100%. So you listen, but I know I'm missing stuff. So I'm doing that all the time. So for me, I'm keeping a list of all the tools or all the phrases or the things that I want, and I'm categorizing why I would use it, or I'm in the process of doing that. Is there something that you have that helps you recall things that you've done years ago? I'm just laughing because right behind me is my library of books. I have been known to, in a session, just turn around and pluck a book from my library. But I try not to do that very often because it's disruptive to the moment. More often, it's in the prep for a session, thinking about where somebody's at, what they've been focused on, what I anticipate I somebody's need might be or what mental model or framework or activity might be useful. And then thinking about what do I have? But even you just said cycle of renewal. And I went, oh, yeah, <laughs> I haven't used that in a while either. But that's why coaches talk to each other is to remind each other of what tools are at our disposal. But yeah, how do we do that for ourselves is a good question. Yeah. But going back to the hammer and nail thing. I had another thought on this, but but before we change course, what were you about to say? No, I thought we talked last time about prepping and I'm trying to work. 2022 was just a coaching everything and everybody. If the firefighter wanted to be coached, I would coach them because it's there. <laughs> it's signed the contract and we're going to coach <laughs> this year or the palm tree that's outside. But this year it's been way more intentional. And what I'm noticing is I have more time before and after sessions. And I'm consciously maybe 15 minutes before really getting into the prep for it, rereading the notes, going through things. I think one thing I will incorporate is looking at the tools. And then afterwards, if I go through it's, oh, I forgot about that tool. I don't know that there's anything wrong with, hey, Jimmy, as we were talking, it didn't come out through the session, but I ran across something that I think might be helpful for you. 
here's a values exercise that may hit the mark. Try that. Perhaps we can talk about it next time. So maybe that's a way to integrate something after a session or before to go read through that list of tools or books or techniques. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Always about preparation, 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 and more preparation. Because I like to think the one thing I do say to my clients in a chemistry call, not to bring that up every single time we talk, but when they ask about how many coaching sessions, et cetera, I just tell them, however, however much you want to meet, however much you want to communicate with me, that's that I will reciprocate. I'm invested in this coaching engagement as much as you are invested in this coaching engagement. So demonstrating that you're thinking about them outside of the time that you are meeting with them is a great thing to do as a coach, because we are, I am, I'm thinking about my clients in between sessions and what they need and what value I might be able to provide. And so that I think is a great idea. You just struck my memory, Rita Hauskin. I recorded her on a podcast. I think she's in Finland or something. So I had her on. She was great. She said one of the best tools that she has that she uses is having her clients leave her like a WhatsApp message or phrase or recording in between sessions because she said in, inside of a coaching session, yes, there is that work, but a lot of the work happens outside the coaching session when we're not in front of them on a Zoom call or in front of them face-to-face. -face. So the perspective was, if something comes to her client that the client wants to share, she said, no, just leave me a WhatsApp. And she said, that could be the best thing that ever happens for that client is them leaving that message and for her to hear it and then maybe not respond right away, but listen to it and then play it back in the next session. That's a good point. That is a really good idea, even to assign as some homework or pre-work or something in your first couple of sessions to normalize connecting in between sessions. Because I think some people really question whether they should be connecting or they just forget about you because they're doing all the rest of their work or going about their lives and they just show up to the next session. I like the idea of not only offering it as an option, but maybe even really encouraging it. See, this is the hammer and the nail because I hadn't thought about that at all. And now I'm thinking about it. And one of my clients used to love doing it. There's a gentleman in Dubai, really great guy, but he would leave him. And I think he really enjoyed that. So can we talk about chemistry call again? I know this is going to come up every time. <laughs> yeah. Because the purpose of the chemistry call as I'm really struggling, struggling with it is probably a bit too much, but I'm not comfortable with where I'm at with my chemistry calls, right? Confidentiality, how this is going to work and all that. But I think you touched on something earlier before we started recording was you always ask them, what do you want to get out of this? Or how can I best serve you? Because it's always about them. And the thing that I'm really trying to focus on now is what's the, what's this container or what's the structure of coaching that this person wants. They could be a business person and they're structured to the high heavens with things. And maybe they just want to come in here like Gary, I don't want this to have any structure. I don't want check-in questions. I just want to come in and just start riffing on what's on my mind. Okay, if that's going to serve you, let, let's roll with it. So it's, I think my focus now more and more 
I don't like talking about it because it gives me clarity, which is why I like co coaching so much, is now when I'm going to really search in a chemistry call on what language do they want to use? How do they want to structure it? I could ask them and provide guidance because it can be whatever they want. But that is now coming more into my, into my psyche of, hey, I'm here to serve you. And I want to really dig around a bit deeper into what what options there are for you to consider and sign off on. Yeah. And following their lead, lead from behind, even in a chemistry call. You just want enough information for both of you to know if, if you're going to be a fit. And then additionally, if the next step from your chemistry call is to write a statement of work or send over some kind of agreement for them to look at, make sure you have enough information to be able to take that step. That's all I'm going to do in that chemistry call is figure out like, do they know enough about me? And do I know enough about them? And do I know enough about what they're asking me to do? Or do we know enough about what you're looking for in this coaching engagement for you to feel comfortable, for me to feel like I understand? And if we can answer those questions, I don't care how we get at it. Let's follow your process, use your words. So I almost never guide the call unless someone just says, I don't know, I've never done this before. You tell me what to talk about. Then I might say, well, a lot of people ask me this question, or I'd like to know what brought you here. So why don't we start there? I just, I might do that. But do you see how chemistry calls, it may be named improperly because it's not, yes, there has to be chemistry with somebody and you just feel like you get on with somebody or not, but there's still a coaching element to a chemistry call in that we're as coaches trying to figure out how we best serve this individual, not do we get on with each other and do we let, you know, we do follow the same sports team or whatever. So maybe I'm wrapped in the word of chemistry. That's maybe what's causing me a bit of a hiccup in this, just to say, because I walk in thinking, I want to, we're not friends. It's not a friendship that we're trying to start. It's, this is an engagement. This is a business transaction. This is a, I am here to serve you. And I need to understand how best you want that to move forward. And if I come in and I'm not comfortable with the way that you want to be coached, then I'll say, ah, oh, boy, that's really, I'm out of my depths here. I think I know three or four other people that might be really good at where you're at. Right. If they're asking me for something I don't do, for example, th that is absolutely a good time to get that information out on the table and then I can refer them to somebody else. Or it's a good opportunity to say, like, I think we need another conversation. Let's follow up. Yeah, I, I do think chemistry is important, though, because if you want to really get underneath the surface, like you and I were talking about before. If you really want to get underneath the surface with people, there has to be a connection. There has to be trust and there has to be chemistry. So if you start talking to somebody and in the initial call, it's just not there, it's going to be really hard to get somebody to really go deep with you. And chemistry is probably something that's very hard to define, or you know when you have it. You know, when you get on with some, like you and I, I know you hated me at the first time you met me. <laughs> I know you did, but I, I beat you down and I convinced you to come on this and you had a need. And I was like, Hey, I have a platform. You can get your voice out there in my podcast. I'll do all the work. I'll even pay you, Adrian. Don't worry about it. So it took a while, but I don't know that I agree with you on that comment. One thing I wanted to call out that I started doing, and I heard this, I was interviewing coaches and he said, and maybe it was a coach to coach. 
he said, when I work with somebody, I'll say, we're going to sign up for six sessions, whatever time frame you want. And then we're going to assess how we're going to move forward over that. And the six sessions are going to cost X amount. There's no commitment. If you want to break that anytime, no problem. But we are going to put a hard and fast. And that could be what, three months? you know, to normal every two weeks. So I thought, boy, that makes me feel comfortable because I don't want to have somebody to commit to something when I don't know, because I would be uncomfortable committing to something like that. So I really like that. And I, I use that. Can I introduce one slight small other topic? Maybe not so small for this time or next time. We get to do whatever we want, Gary. That's right. That was part of our contract. The thing that I've noticed that's really, really changed in my coaching is I'll always ask, what are your takeaways? What are you going to do between now and next? And sometimes, maybe not all the time, what can I do to better serve you? But the now to next, I am being way more prescriptive. As I listen through the session, as I'm going through, it's like, hey, between now and next, why don't you consider opportunities to maybe not be in the driver's seat? Why don't you take opportunities to be in the passenger and try it out, do it, don't do it, I'm not bothered. So I've noticed that a big flip because the whole lead from behind, what are you going to do between now and next? Now I'm catching myself saying, hey, here are a few things to consider before our next session. Do you want to, can I review those? Oh yeah, of course you can review. Try this and try that and try that and then come back to me with it. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I also do. What are you taking away obviously? And what, what do you want to do between now and next? I, unless they are, unless there is something we've already discussed that they're, they are getting a resource from me or like some kind of book recommendation or a podcast or something like that, that I need to send them. I have been trying more and more not to be in the person at the end who is taking responsibility for something. Cause that is my moment for them to end with commitment, responsibility, and ownership. So it's always clear at the end of an of a coaching session and at the beginning of a coaching session, this is yours. So it's it so no matter how the middle happens, and it should feel that way in the middle too, but it's a conversation, right? But at the end, it's very much okay, what are you taking away? And now what? And I try to just zip my lip take some notes and just close from there. Good perspective. Do you want to know a couple of things I learned from this call? Clients always like it, like to know that we're thinking about them, even not in the session. So follow up and emails is a good thing. The other is learning to lead from behind during the chemistry call and really try to understand what the best structure for the meetings or the sessions with that individual will be. Loved it. Yeah. And I had another thought not to go all over the place in this conversation, but about the integration of a new idea in your next coaching session. So the temptation for that comes from, it's just part of the learning process. And we tend to be learning in isolation. I read a book by myself. I have no one to talk to about this. And then the very next place that I have to apply it is a coaching session. So of course we're tempted to go apply what we've learned because it's so exciting and new. So I get it, right? You want to think we'd be so selective that we would think, 
Nope, I'm going to wait for the perfect next moment. And it might be seven months from now. But I get it's we just have to recognize, of course, as a learner, that's the temptation, right? Where is the next place I can apply this thing I just learned? I, I know that as an L&D professional, that's what I would tell people to do. Go apply something you just learned as soon as possible, right? So you're just giving me the okay that I'm a hammer and that's okay. Go. Nope, that's not what I said. <laughs> I can see where the temptation comes from. But that's where we have to have that awareness and presence and ask ourselves, like, is that my learner temptation coming through? Or is that really what this person needs right now? We're going to have to create a coaching bingo card when people listen to us talk together, because we're going to be chemistry call is going to be a box. Presence is going to be a box. <laughs> Learning is going to be a box. Favorite book is going to be a box. That's why, that's why I like it so much. And I love that you're, you have a group of coaches that you talk to on a consistent basis to, to noodle these things out. I'm, I just started supervision and looking forward to it to have, that'll probably be a topic for another day. So yes, wanted to close out with being a coach what have you noticed? And I can start this. Being a coach, I've noticed when I'm talking to somebody and they're a level one listener, meaning everything I say comes back to them and they make a statement about themselves. Or I can watch two other people talking. It's like a tennis match. One person says something, the other person says how it's impacting them, then back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I notice this. I'm aware of it. It bugs me a little bit. And I'm trying to figure out when I'm talking to somebody that's a level one listener. So I just went to Australia and I saw a bunch of colleagues that I used to work with. And I quickly realized when I would say something, it would immediately be how they're interpreting what I said. And I just thought, huh. And then I just went with it. And I just kept asking them questions about blah, blah, blah. I do notice that. So it's a great skill set to know level one, level two, level three listening. And I definitely notice it when I'm getting level one listened to. Yeah. Yeah. We're way better interpersonally with coach training for sure. And practice. Something I'm noticing about myself as a coach, I'll just change the question wording to fit my needs, is paying attention to the facilitator side of me and the coach side of me. And not blurring those lines too much. There are times when I need to not let the facilitator into a coaching session. And I thought I was really good at that until I recently went through a team coaching certification and we were practicing and I wasn't the one practicing, but I was observing somebody else and I could see it in action, somebody else letting their facilitator out. And I was like, oh no, I do that. I know I do that. I know I'm tempted to do that. And it just reminded me again, not just in team coaching am I tempted, but how often in one-on-one -on -one coaching does that temptation come through to, to pull from my Mary Poppins bag of executive development tricks of, I've got a framework for that. I've got a, a book recommendation for that. I've got a mental model for that. And people love it. So it's very seductive to be able to offer them one. So how do I keep my facilitator at bay and see if I can help them do more of the thinking without me? Boy, you're throwing the word seductive in there. Maybe that'll be on our coaching bingo card as well. It's a good word, right? It is seductive. All coaches listening know what they're <laughs> seduced by. And I will tell you, 
It's the facilitator in me. I do think, I know we're wrapping up here, but I do think one of our sessions is going to be talking about how facilitation has impacted our coaching and vice versa. Because I do a little bit of facilitation, probably not as much as you do, but I am noticing how one is impacting the other in a hopefully positive way. So Adrian, thanks for jumping on. 